Move over, cause here we come. We got a party that's kicking like all night long. We got ten drinks. Hey, like wrestling fans, welcome to Rope Break, episode 11 of a pro wrestling podcast hosted by me, the Greg Flynn. Welcome. If you are watching live, on this somewhat impromptu episode, this is a Wednesday. We're supposed to do this on Tuesdays. We missed Tuesday. We missed last Tuesday. I was supposed to do it on Thanksgiving. We missed that as well. We're so far behind and we got so much hype to unpack and we're going to get to all of it today. We're going to get to all. We're just going to talk about every professional wrestling match that has ever happened. No, 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 we're not. But we are going to break down the pay-per-views. We're going to break down everything that's been happening. And I want to talk real briefly about why I've been absent uh, but not too long. I don't want to waste too much time on that here on Rope Break Episode 11 because, because there's so much good wrestling out there. But my personal life got kind of personal the past week, I guess. <laughs> personal life been lifing a little bit. And so I got knocked on my ass a little bit. And it, it was sort of the intersection. I'll be totally honest. A big component of it was the intersection between this podcast and my real life. So before we get into Will Ospreay, and before we get into CM Punk, and before we get into Survivor Series, and before we start unpacking all of this juicy wrestling, I just, for personal reasons, I have to spend 15 seconds here, maybe five minutes at most, <laughs> talking about uh, why I've been gone, uh, at least in terms of the podcast. I've had things going on in my personal life. Our family was just exhausted from Thanksgiving. We had my mother-in-law, Mimi, come into town and stay with us for a week. And I think that we've all just been, all four of us in my family, my daughters, my wife, we have been so fucking gassed uh, emotionally, physically, uh, that I think we all just sort of needed to slow down. I've seen it kind of in all four of us, to be totally honest. It's the holidays. It's Thanksgiving. So there was that, but I'll just be honest with you, you greasy rope break motherfuckers, any of you listening today, what's up, thank you for being here, which is that, I mean, to be blunt and to, and to really cut to the core of it, I've been making content for I mean, almost five years um, with a level of, I would say for about five years, I've been making, con I've been making content on the internet <laughs> for 10 years, but... But I would say for five years now, it's been with a level of consistency and effort that had escalated. And about five years ago, I started thinking, okay, this, this is it. This is what I do. This is, this is where I, this is the juice I want to squeeze from life, whatever. Like, and I got real passionate. I got more focused about it. But what I'm getting at is in all that time, well, I've never had a comment section before. An active comment section? greasy listeners to the content, listening and giving feedback, why that is totally foreign to me in 10 years, five years, however you're cutting and counting this, it's totally foreign to me. And I'll just, I'll just be honest, wrestling fans, I got fucking knocked on my ass by the level of personal negative comments and this this isn't the only reason why I was out there I probably you know without the Mimi thing and staying with us there's probably a Thanksgiving episode like I initially planned or a Tuesday episode yesterday etc cetera, etc cetera. so this isn't all about just this however a big slice of the pie was this I I, I did not expect to put my beautiful face onto wrestle talk and 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 to be body shamed 
I didn't expect so many people to attempt. I mean, they don't even know me, but to attempt to make the attempt to get personally offensive and personally cut me down and personally detrimental to me on like a human level. Like there's an issue with me as a human that needs to be sorted right here, right now in the comment section. And it's my body. (laughs) It's my teeth. It's my arms. It's this and that. And sometimes people have the uh, common courtesy to hate me for my mind. (laughs) But a lot of them have hated me for my appearance as well, on top of hating me for my mind. And this this was a sucker punch and a sideswipe that I think you hear about all the time from content creators. And to be totally blunt, not a lot of us are lucky enough to get to live, to live that experience. And I think that that's, you know, my takeaway and my learning point and why I'm back today and why I want to get back into talking about wrestling. And that's why this is all I really have to say on the topic, which is simply to acknowledge that it was a gut punch, simply to acknowledge that I wasn't necessarily ready for that. And I have things and experiences in my personal life that can make me a sensitive boy or whatever. And so do you, greasy wrestling fan, Rope Break listener. We all have those experiences, right? And so I just want to be honest. I want to be open to a certain extent uh, as this community grows and our opinions about wrestling get shared with the greater wrestling community and and whatever happens here does happen. I just want to be honest and be open as this product continues to grow, which I think it will. I have no reason to think that it wouldn't. In fact, the only thing that would stop it is the fucking haters getting to me. Right? That would slow it down and stop it. And that's not what I'm here to do. I'm not here to let somebody who thinks that me not loving certain things on a fucking TV show equates to attacking my body. They think that that's a one-for-one exchange that should happen. Or that they got to attack me for being an out-of-control moron. They got to attack me for being attention-seeking. They got to find something inside of me and attack that just because I popped up on their fucking TikTok feed. So we can't let them win. (laughs) We can't let them win. We can't let these motherfuckers be the motherfuckers who are going to influence the community of WrestleTalk, of wrestling podcasts, and the greater representation of what it means to be a wrestling fan. We're not going to let these motherfuckers win. You don't get to win. I'm back. <laughs> the villain comes back, and he still has problems with AEW, and he still has problems with all your favorite things. Oh no, the boogeyman. The boogeyman's back to talk bad about my favorite TV show. Just keep fucking swiping. Because the opinions of the wrestling community as spearheaded by this fucking show and this fucking community, they can be strong and they can be distinct opinions. And they can be opinionated opinions, but they're not mean. We're not going to be mean. We're not going to be disrespectful. We're not going to be personal in this way, okay? I'm sarcastic as fuck, and I have to watch that in my own life, in my own critiques. I know this about myself. I can get a little too edgy, a little too biting, and maybe too sarcastic for the sake of entertainment, for the sake of the meme. I know this about myself. So I'm going to lead the charge. 
I'm going to lead the charge. We're going to be respectful. We're not going to hold back our opinions. We're not going to hold back our thoughts. And they are going to be distinct. And this show will always be a little bit different than the meta of what's getting talked about on Wrestle Talk or other podcasts and other shows. Because this is my opinions on professional wrestling after a lifetime of obsession with it. And that is intersecting with my ability as a content creator. It's my motherfucking show. So we're not backing down. And the people who like it and the people who agree with the opinions. And oh my God, for every hater, there's been two followers. And for every hater, there's been somebody in the comments section digging into old content. Checking out the E-Fed. And those motherfuckers are the greasiest and the coolest. And the ones who when I'm sitting around on a boring fucking Tuesday night or whatever. And I do open up the comment section. And I see somebody supportive who loves wrestling and loves being super about it and love sharing passionate opinions about it just like I do when one of you motherfuckers is in the comment section I'll tell you what that lights up my day I fucking love it and maybe I need to care less about both ends of the spectrum maybe that'd be the healthiest thing for me I don't know but uh, I just love this too much. I love the process of creating the content. I love digging into thinking about this stuff. And by God, I love running my yapper, which is what we're going to do now. <laughs> we're going to break down. This is where I want to start. Okay, let's transition out of that. I got emotional. I shared my thoughts, my feelings, and why I've been a little AFK for the last week, you guys. But we're back, and we're back at it fully because two Huge signings have been made in the professional wrestling world at these last two huge pay-per-views. Because at Full Gear, which was an awesome pay-per-view, here I am, Mr. AEW hater, here I am, the villain for all the AEW marks, too fucking skinny to have an opinion. (laughs) Here I am telling you that this This was a phenomenal pay-per-view. I would gladly pay $50 for this. There were tons of things I didn't like. But what this had is an attempt at what I've been calling for from the very beginning. This show had a story. It had a self-contained story. It had a beginning and a middle and an end. There was a narrative structure to the show itself, and the way they accomplished that is by making AEW seem like an actual real thing. So MJF gets injured in the buy-in, and now he has to go to the hospital. Is he going to be back in time for the main event? And will Adam Cole have to wrestle on his behalf? Okay, that was cute. Like, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't groundbreaking. Like, I, I actually thought it was a little lame. But I'll tell you what, guys. I will tell you what. I will take a lame story with a little bit of effort and intention. I, I love the WWE. Of course I'll settle for a lame story. As long as it has a little bit of intention and effort. And that's what they did with the main event of Full Gear. They gave me somewhere to hang my disbelief, to suspend it. I could place my disbelief on the idea, and I could, with that, the idea that anyone can win and anything can happen, that this is real, right? I could place that behind the idea that MJF was too injured to compete, that Jay White would, in fact, bring home the championship on account of the injury, 
There was, there, was a, there was a path. There was a path for Jay White that night. Going into the show, it didn't feel like there was a path. It felt like there was a pay-per-view booked at MJF's hometown and that this was a done deal. And that's why it's so fucking important to have story, you guys. Because those of us who are smart marks on Twitter and on social media and and on the website and get in the dirt sheets and, and behind the scenes and we know what's going on with contracts and locations, we need something to, to suspend the disbelief behind is how I always word it. Another way to word it is just to hold on to. Give me, give me a safety bar. Give me a bar to hold on to while you take me on this adventure. Something to ground me. Let me hold daddy's hand while we go through the scary cave. Give me something. I don't know if that's the perfect metaphor here. But give me something. Give me something to hold on to. Give me something to suspend my disbelief behind. That's story. That's out of the ring storytelling. That's the purpose of that. That's the point of that. And so they actually did it at full gear. And so then it didn't matter if certain matches were a little bit slower or underwhelming. And the card could fill out the way that it did because it did feel like there would eventually be a big payoff, a big answer. MJF goes and defends the belt. Okay, that's not a big title switch or whatever, but at least it's an answer to a question. It's a payoff. The question being, is he too injured? Can he even do this? Will he even show up? At least I have questions and cliffhangers that need to get resolved. At least I had that during the show. It didn't feel as much like a random collection of indie matches. And moving forward, the other thing that helped make this feel so great this being AEW, not full gear. This being AEW. The other thing that AEW is doing that is making this product feel like an actual product and opening the door for competitive storytelling is the Continental Classic. The new tournament rolled out by AEW. The 12-person, I believe, round-robin tournament. The championship is going to be at the next pay-per-view which means every single episode of Dynamite and Collision. I, I, I mean, how hard can my wrestling boner get here? Every single episode of Dynamite and Collision now has meaningful, impactful singles matches featuring some of the AEW superstars. What a fucking novel idea! We should have done it years ago! We should have, as a wrestling company, put our biggest wrestling stars into wrestling matches far sooner. But we finally figured it out. We finally got it. We need to have a reason for the big wrestling stars to be wrestling each other. And the only reason AEW could... It's almost like, I feel like with AEW, it's almost like dealing with a narcissist. Have you ever dealt with a narcissist in your life? The issue with a narcissist is they can't see themselves, right? They can often be very aware and intelligent of what's happening around them, but they're struggling to see that they even exist and that they're the one who is impacting the things around them. That's AEW. AEW functions like a narcissist. They don't understand that they are, this is where I'm going, they are the reason. They are the reason for the impactful singles matches to be happening to begin with. 
Like, we should have been having tonight is Jay White versus Swerve Strickland. Jay White's new to the company. Swerve's relatively new, a year or two now, I guess. He's, he's been around a while. But the point is, this wasn't even an option day one. I'm not saying it was. However, in a way, metaphorically, we needed to be having Jay White versus Swerve Strickland on Wednesday night Dynamite as a main event. I'm not saying but, like, as a main event level match for a long, long time. Uh, I don't know who off top of my head are those names a year or two ago, but, I mean, Brian Danielson, Christian Cage, I mean, there's Kenny Omega, there's always been guys who could, Jay Lethal, who's in this tournament, who's been so wildly underused since joining AEW. There's so many guys, Dax Harwood, there's so many guys, MJF, here we go, there's so many guys who can pull off an amazing tournament and amazing singles matches it's almost like, like the narcissist, they forgot that like AEW didn't know that AEW existed. Does that make sense? Like AEW didn't know that they were the sanctioning rulemaking body that gave the matches gravitas, that gave the matches meaning. This matters. Because AEW says it matters. And that's when you get into the territory of actually enforcing tag team rules. Actually having refs who uh, disqualify matches or, or matches that end in disqualification or whatever else. So as you get into the zanier components of professional wrestling... So, we're holding daddy's hand. There's something here that's normal. There's something here playing the role of the straight man against the insane comedy and drama that wrestling then brings out. And the role of the straight man in this story is the role of the company, AEW. But they didn't realize that. They didn't know that they existed. They're like a narcissist. They had no idea that they were real. They had no idea that they existed. And they were really frustrated that everyone around them weren't doing the things that they wanted them to do. Oh, my God. It's just like narcissism. It's almost weird. I have extensive experience in relationships with narcissists. It's not the time or the place for that. We've already had Greg personal time <laughs> on the show today. But it's crazy. It's crazy because the Continental Classic, this tournament has become the outlet for uh, matches mattering. These are just singles matches that matter because of the Connell Classic. And if anyone interferes on your behalf, you're disqualified. So there's nobody ringside, no interference, and there's a level of competitive merit in the presentation of the fake entertainment. And this is what kills me about all these body-shaming AEW marks who hate me so much. They're, 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 they're not thinking, oh, oh I want to I be mean back, but I just opened the show by saying we're not going to be mean back. But it's what kills me about them is that they're not seeing the critique. They're not seeing the issue. They're not seeing what I think is going to cause them to not like the show in a couple years. Like, I think I'm the one calling out what's causing them to fade away. But... This is the course correction, in theory. The next question becomes, is it too late? The next question is, can Jay White and Swerve Strickland on episodes of Dynamite save a TV show, this isn't one for one, but that can't be saved by Kenny Omega versus MJF? And it does beg the question, can singles matches at this point save it at all? Because functionally, you're talking about a little bit of a rebrand. Excuse me as I burp here. 
you're talking about a little bit of a rebrand and a redesign because there's been so much effort. <coughs> Excuse me. Greasy Rope Break fans. Episode 11 here on Spotify and YouTube as I take a, as I take a burping break. My apologies. <laughs> I'm having fun this morning. I'm glad to be back at it. I hope you're having fun too. But what I'm trying to say is, 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 is the question that comes into my mind, is it too late? And these are the these are by and large the solutions I have advocated for. So I do want to see them work. I have a bias. I want to see the Continental Classic be great, and I want to see it generate enthusiasm for the individuals who are in it. That's got to be part of the end goal. Somebody's got to get screwed out of a spot in the semifinals, and then we have to have a story surrounding that where we get some sort of resolution, redemption, or it gets worse, something. Okay, we get we need a story in this Continental Classic where somebody goes on a crazy run, where all of a sudden Daniel Garcia is one of the final four, or even in the championship, and we can frame this as a tournament run, and we can use it without even winning the tournament as a way to show that somebody has momentum right now, and then they shift that into the TNT title or a new world title match or whatever else, whatever other feud. I mean, tournaments like this, I think they're great. I think they're so Good. Anyone who's been involved in athletics their entire life has seen a tournament, right? Not even like a playoffs tournament, but just a standalone tournament. I think they're great. I'm low-key excited about the NBA tournament, the in-season tournament. It just, it just adds a level of zest, right? And it adds a level of competition. It adds a level of impact and meaning. Even kicking off my own tournament in the EFED lately, it's been a lot of fun. Um, so anyway, I, I, what's at the core of it? What's What are the bones? The bones are these impactful singles matches that I have wanted forever. Okay, I have on my notes here before we take a break, and in segment two, we're going to be talking about Randy Orton and WWE, and uh, we'll talk a little bit about CM Punk, but I think it's time to actually talk about CM Punk now. And I I feel like for me, on this show, like, I don't have a lot to say about CM Punk. I, I don't care. Like, if I'm going to be totally honest, like, I just don't care that CM Punk has signed with WWE. And the reports, like, two, three weeks ago, a month ago, were by and large, WWE doesn't need CM Punk, right? They don't need him. They have this product. They're the behemoth. They're owned by Endeavor. Now, this is motherfucking W. You think we need CM Punk? That was sort of the story and the energy that was emerging on social media, at least. I don't know where it was coming from, but it's true. Like, I'm sitting here now having watched CM Punk come out of Survivor Series, and it's just true. WWE didn't need him. It was entertaining, it was fun, and I'm at the point where after, you know, a year or two of being more excited about AEW than I was WWE, yeah, if you've been listening to this show, you know I've been more excited about episodes of WWE lately in general. Uh, I'm Mr. Fedhead now, apparently. So, it's my way of saying, like, okay, what, what have you done for us lately, punk? Like I'm not a hater. I'm not I'm obviously not on the side of Kenny Omega and, and the elite and, and and it feels like a level of drama and a little bit of insincerity around that drama. I feel like CM Punk never got to speak his piece. 
in that whole thing. I don't think he's blameless or guiltless. I think he's a drama queen. I think he's a diva. And I think a lot of performers and professional wrestlers are. And it it's never really been a bigger problem than it ever was <laughs> until now. And Punk is just one of those guys that combines that drama queen with with success, with fame, with, with all the benchmarks that the sort of superficial benchmarks that we are looking for. You draw attention, you draw money, you draw eyes. And so he's putting all that into his CM Punk uh, cauldron and he's stirring it around. And whatever comes out, comes out. And I, I mean, I, that makes me respect him as a man, to be honest, that at least he is doing his own thing authentic to him full fucking steam ahead. <laughs> I got mad respect for people like that who he, he's, he's interesting. He's good. He is able to be a conduit for a level of fame and energy that we saw at Survivor Series, obviously at Chicago without seeming to need it or ask for it, right? That nice little double-edged sword. Uh, he's fucking killing it. And so he's great at that. But here's where I'm going with this. But why don't I care then? All these great things. Oh my gosh, you just raved about how much you respect him and all this shit. Like, I think he's going to do good work. I think, this, this, is my, this is my take, I think... That in three years, you're going to be talking way more about Will Ospreay than you are about CM Punk. And I think in three years, we're going to see that Will Ospreay was the bigger signing out of these two. I think Will Ospreay has fire and authenticity in him. I think there's components of him on the mic that need tweaking but they don't feel like forever gaps some people get on that microphone and I, you get the feeling this ain't ever gonna work I'm talking about you jungle boy jack perry talking about you i don't get that vibe with will osprey will osprey he looks around a little nervously but there's a level of strength and conviction behind what he's saying when he's on that mic and he was New continent, Tony Schiavone announcing his signing at full gear. That, that's the one that's in my mind right now and the nerves that I did pick up on from him there. But that's the thing. We're talking about a young, high-level athlete who in the ring is going to push the envelope, the direction that wrestling fans want to see it going. Okay. Now I know that, yeah, me personally, sometimes I prefer a slower ground and pound thing product in wrestling matches, but I love Will Ospreay, the guys who can do the high flying, but tell a story and tell a competitive fight story in the context of some twinkle toes action, as Jim Cornette always calls it. I fucking love it. I, I'm still here for it. Like I'm not turning that off. I fucking love it. And I think if you combine that with the conviction and passion that you can see behind Will Ospreay that I, damn it, I'm just going to say it, I've never seen in Kenny Omega once. In all these years, I see a little bit of grit and sand where in Omega, it's just like this mushy smarminess underneath it. With Osprey, I believe it. I genuinely believe you're mad about something and that that's what's driving all this. I'm, I'm here for it, Will. You combine that with his physical gifts. 
and I think that AEW is the place where this could theoretically all come together. If they can keep their shit together, keep some vision, keep these matches and the product and singles matches making sense and having a context, then Will Ospreay winning the AEW World Championship in at Wembley in front of 80, 90, 100,000 people in a year, two, or three, you're going to see what I'm talking about right now. You're going to feel it. You're going to experience having watched a gifted young person climb to the top and plant their flag. That story is way, way better to me than a 45-year-old man who knows who he is and knows himself and is comfortable in his own skin and frankly doesn't need any of this saying opinionated things. Which one of those is going to hit harder in the long run? Which one of those is going to have more meaning, more force? Which one of those, if I'm 15, if I'm 10, 15 years old and I'm a wrestling fan, which one of those is going to really sink its claws into me and inspire me to be a professional wrestler one day or a lifelong fan or a greasy podcaster or whatever it is around the business and the industry that we all love? It's not going to be somebody older doing less. And I think that that's what Punk is going to do. I think he's going to do less. I think he's going to do commentary. I think he's going to come in as Rowdy Roddy Piper, who is his hero. And I think he's going to do Piper's Pit. And I think Piper's Pit is going to be Punk's Pit. Now, I don't know who will name it that. They should. You can use that one, Triple Paul, if you want to. But they're going to name it Punk's Pit. And they're going to use that to set up his feud so that way something happens opinion-wise or thought and dialogue-wise, which is his strength uh, during these segments that causes him to then feud with whomever at WrestleMania and SummerSlam. And then we get a handful of these matches. Whereas with Will Ospreay, we are talking about somebody, somebody, excuse me, with a believable fire, a believable anger, and a believable passion. Now, Punk has all that as well. However, we've already watched Punk do what we could be watching Ospreay do right now. This could be day one of Will Ospreay in North America climbing to the top and then planting his flag in England if at, at an all-in show. But still, still, we could be watching an incredible story, an incredible evolution, and, 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 and the making of a new king. And the making of a new king in Will Ospreay, the next big guy, the next mother, the next MJF, the next Roman Reigns, but with a new evolution. More mid-card, high-flying action, and less slow Roman Reigns, WWE-type stuff, right? He's going to push the whole thing forward. Man, I'm fucking fired up. Can you tell? I'm fired up about Will Ospreay. I've seen his matches. I've seen his matches on the indies. I've seen his matches in New Japan. And, you know, the last thing he really needs, I think, in theory, is great mentorship. How do you pace a match? How do you pace a career? I think that's the, the final kind of T's to cross and I's to dot right now for Osprey. And boy, who would have been better for uh, that level of mentorship than a CM Punk? But it ain't ever going to happen. Hey, it's time for a break. 
Greasy Rope Break listeners, thanks for going on this journey with me this morning or this afternoon, wherever you are, if you're listening on Spotify or Apple, if you're watching on YouTube. I appreciate you guys. You're the realest of the real and the best of the best. After the break, we're going to talk about WWE just a little bit more and break down uh, a big release that happened in AEW that I didn't get to. And that's after the break here on Rope Break. Welcome back to Rope Break, episode 11. I am your host, the one and only Greg Flynn. I appreciate you boys being here live. And if you are listening anywhere in the world, hey, thanks for doing that. Thanks for being a greasy wrestling fan, a greasy Rope Break fan. And uh, don't forget to follow on social media, Wet Meat Wrestling on all the platforms. WMW Wrestling on Twitter, and of course, wetmeatwrestling.com. That's where you're going to find out when I'm doing my next shows, okay? So if you're sitting out there in wrestling world and you're listening and you're going, okay, motherfucker, okay, smartass, sure, sure, you can yap, sure, you can grow a great mustache, but can you do it yourself? Well, find out for yourself what I am capable of by attending the E-Fed. It's every Friday in December, Except for the ones that it's not. But it is the next three. So this Friday, December 1st. Next Friday, December 8th. And the next Friday, December 15th. Three straight Fridays. We have E-Fed shows jam-packed. The new WMW world champion, Brad Oslin, recently defeated uh, my friend, Callie Setsy in a mammoth upset, in my opinion. But you haven't heard the last of Cali Setsy and the Evil Alliance in the WMWE Fed. So check it out. It is an amazing product. I get passionate about this shit. This is the labor of my love. This is the passion. This is where all that creative energy, after all these years of being a degenerate, lazy pothead, I'll confess. I'm, I'm confessing to the priest. This is my confessional. I haven't always worked my hardest in life. Maybe there's more I could have done for this and that along the way. But God damn it, I don't pull any punches, no shortcuts. It all goes into the WWE Fed, which is crazy and silly and fucking beautiful. So this is it. This is your invitation to get involved in that. Start watching. And there's, there's more to do than watch. You can be in the groundwork of what I would consider... Uh, the most unique indie wrestling product in the world, which is the WMWE Fed. So get involved. It's awesome. Come check out the show. And, uh, you know, a year from now, it, it, you won't get to say that you were on the ground floor and saw it before it was cool. You, you want to be one of those guys. Trust me. You want to be one of those guys. You want to be able to say that you watched Greg Flynn and all the WMW megastars before it was cool. But I just wanted to take a minute and talk about that because I realized in my notes that <laughs> that segment two was supposed to be a lot of what I said about CM Punk during segment one. Uh, so I'll reiterate, and then I want to talk about some matches. But um, real briefly, I, I just want to say it again. I think that... When you compare Will Ospreay and CM Punk, I don't think I'm crazy. I think I'm present here in the moment. Will Ospreay's the bigger signing in three years, which is going to generate more revenue in the short term and even the medium term, and maybe in a weird way at all. It could be CM Punk in a way, and that's a level of name recognition, but it's insincere to take that at face value because he's going to have 
the $9 billion behemoth that is WWE behind him and what he does, pushing him along, propping him up, giving him that platform and that venue to be himself that he's great at doing on a big stage, on a huge stage. So, man, that's a lot to overcome, and there's a lot of money-making potential and fame-making potential in that. But, man, if I'm starting a company today, oh my gosh, what a question, and then we'll move on. If you are starting a company today with, let's say, you're not Tony Khan and you can't just sign whoever, whenever, you have to think about your money somewhat, and let's say they are the same price, just just for the hypothetical, and you can only have one, Will Ospreay, CM Punk, which do you bring into your wrestling company if you're starting a new company today? Oh man, what a question! What a I mean, it's it's easy to say CM Punk, but I think that it's more interesting. For good reasons to say, well, Osprey, I think that the ceiling is higher with Osprey. If this fire, if this drive, if this passion that I'm picking up on underneath the service with Osprey is as real as I sense it could be, then the ceiling with Will Osprey is actually much, much higher than the ceiling with CM Punk. And that's what makes it more interesting. That's what makes it more fun. And hey, if you ever learn anything from me, it's chase interesting and fun things. Oh, safety is boring. Whoever thought CM Punk would be the safe option? What kind of framework is happening today on Rope Break? Hey, let's talk about some of the storylines going on in professional wrestling real quick. Break them down. I do want to talk about Christian Cage and Adam Copeland and everything swirling around that. I think that's a fairly interesting story. I haven't loved... Christian Cage's transition or attempted transition from cheeky asshole who says things that are going too far into abusive asshole who does things that are going too far. And I would argue that bashing a woman's head in, an innocent woman's head in with a steel chair, Nick Wayne's mother, is pushing it too far. And I know I'm not supposed to like what the heel does. <laughs> I get that. I've seen enough wrestling to understand that. Um, but I feel like I already didn't like him an appropriate amount. I already enjoyed him making me, f- the way he made me feel uncomfortable. Maybe that's a statement. Maybe that means the way he was doing it was too safe in the end. And it wouldn't last. I don't know. Maybe that's why they have him threatening to bash in a woman's head with a steel chair who's just trying to protect her baby boy. Her 18-year-old douchebag Nick Wayne. Man, does he look like a little douchebag. <laughs> Very punchable face, Nick Wayne. You're doing fantastic work out there. We're all proud of you. We're excited to see you grow. <laughs> Um, but that's kind of a nitpick, I think, in fairness, because I think in general, when Copeland's music hit and saved the music and saved the moment, it made me relieved to see Copeland. Great heels make your baby faces, right? And so here we are. We have something for Copeland to stand up for. And then they found a way. I swear to God, I think those motherfuckers saw me call him the rated PG stepdad. Because literally the next episode, they have him being too edgy with getting his revenge on Kill Switch. 
which is the other thing I wanted to talk about. Luchasaurus has stuck out on this television show like a sore thumb for too long, and they finally addressed it. I think the guy, whoever's playing Luchasaurus that we've been watching for years, uh, he's the great. Like, they're trying to make him the Undertaker, I think. Like, they're trying to make him this big, badass, semi-mythological energy that kids can go, holy shit, when they see the show, right? And the fact that he was a dinosaur, <laughs> I think, undermined that in a lot of ways. And so finally calling him Kill Switch and making that switch, I think it's good. I think a lot of these changes that they do are so good. I just wonder if it's going to be confusing to the fans who have stuck with them and liked what they were seeing a year ago, six months ago. All this shift. And, and, and if the people who gave up a year, year and a half, two years ago, is this going to be enough to get them back? Is this going to work? That's what we're now into. Now they're implementing something. They're trying something. Now we're going to evaluate whether it's working. So it really is an amazing time to be watching AEW if you are an AEW fan. The next one I talk about here on my list, MJF and Samoa Joe, that feud. We had the MJF-Jay White match. And now we're going back to Samoa Joe. And I'm fine with that. And I'm even at the point where like, they're just getting enough face time with each other and they're 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 there's finally some details to their relationship. I'm talking now about Joe and MJF, but really I'm talking about MJF and anyone he feuds with. There's finally something that resembles context and story going on here um on a personal level that makes me able to suspend some disbelief and say, okay, Joe could win. And maybe they're trying to build Samoa Joe into a monster heel. And who knows if he wins and MJF could get a rematch for some reason. And now MJF's a two, like there, there, there's ways to go now, especially now that you're showing me that you're willing to try something new at some point. It's not all just this straight shot that protects certain wrestlers on the roster, very, very obviously, MJF being one of them. There's some willingness to shake things up here. And so now I can get interested and excited for MJF versus Samoa Joe. And even if that is, quote, just another title defense for MJF, it could be a fun one. It could be an interesting one. Apparently they have stories at AEW now, so maybe something interesting will happen there. And they've been building a, a history now that we've watched between Samoa Joe and MJF through a title match, through tag matches together, and through dialogue. What a fucking novel concept. <coughs> and so they're getting that FaceTime, they're getting that screen time. It makes me interested in the match. Um, and as I said all that, it got me thinking about the mask and, 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 and the devil mask of MJF. And this might be a good place to end the show today. And we'll, we'll break this down a little bit and we'll call it a day, greasy rope break fans. But the devil mask, while it's getting longevity and screen time, I'm not recalling seeing MJF truly bothered by this. Ooh, that's not true. As soon as I said it, I can think of clips of him on Dynamite yelling real angry that I'm going to find you, you douchebag devil. Like, and when I get you, he does say that. But 
that's his line, and then it's over. What I'm getting at is they're trying something. They're trying to have him feud with who he's feuding with. Jay White, Samoa Joe, Roderick Strong in a way. He's getting FaceTime, Adam Cole. He's getting FaceTime with who he's getting FaceTime with while in the background we're trying to build up this devil character. Like, okay, I get that, but now you're underserving this devil, and in a way you're underserving the legitimacy of his current foes because it seems unlikely that he's going to drop the belt permanently uh, to one of these current foes with the devil still chasing him. It seems like a better payoff for this devil would be a main event world title pay-per-view match because of this context and this build, right? It seems like that's where you're going to go. And seeing that and sensing it, now all of a sudden the current feuds are being underserved And in a weird way, the mask is being underserved because it's not getting FaceTime with MJF in this way. We're not seeing the two have a back and forth. And that's a tough thing to do if we're not going to find out who you are. There's ways to do it for sure. Max has got to fight back. I think that's what this boils down to. It's time for us to see Max fight back. It's time for us to see him do more than shout at the man who is stealing from him and abusing him. <laughs> we need to see MJF get more bothered and, 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 and mount some sort of counteroffensive or some sort of protection, right? His protection is that Samoa Joe is going to make sure that nothing bad happens to him. Okay, thanks, Joey. But I want to see the champ get some teeth, be a scumbag, and be our scumbag and protect us from the real scumbags in the world who would do something this bizarre and vile to the world champion. And so, yeah, I, th- this Devil Mask story is off to a great start because I'm asking questions about it. So, like, we're off to an amazing start. We got to keep going. And then, man, I wonder if whoever's under it is going to be the one who takes the belt. It's getting good out there, you guys. It's getting real good. We got we didn't even talk about Randy Orton. We got Randy Orton. We got CM Punk. We got Cody Rhodes in WWE declaring himself for the Royal Rumble. Put out little feelers and sneak peeks for WrestleMania, potentially Rhodes versus Roman Reigns. The Judgment Day, Damian Priest potentially challenging Seth Rollins, Money in the Bank, and then AEW, Continental Classic, singles matches, and a world champion that everyone's gunning for, and two new signings, we said Punk, and of course, Will Ospreay back in professional wrestling, both of them in North America. It has never been a better time to be a wrestling fan, and it's never been a better time to be uh, a rope break listener. So tell your friends about the show, the hottest new community, the hottest new product in professional wrestling, and come to the eFed this Friday. Hey, this has been a lot of fun, you guys. We will see you next week. We're going to get back on schedule with Tuesdays at 12.30 p.m. Eastern for the live show, and we're going to grind this thing out, and I don't give a fuck how much hate I get, I'm going to keep being me. I'm going to take a page out of CM Punk's book, and I'm not going to give a fuck what the Mark thinks, the Marks think, excuse me, and I'm going to be me. You should do the same, listeners. Be authentically you. Have a great rest of your day. Bye, everyone. (laughs) 
Move over, cause here we come We got a party that's kicking like all night long We got ten drinks like extra strong And nobody be 